0: All right, everybody, good morning. That is our, uh, that is our bell. So we will, uh, we will get started. I want to say welcome again to our auditorium class, uh, and especially welcome to our visitors that are, that are joining us. And um, we have been discussing this quarter uh, a biblical worldview, what it means to have a biblical worldview, what we should build that biblical worldview on, uh, how we should apply that biblical worldview, and uh, things like that. And uh, I want to say, with this being our last lesson of the uh, of the quarter, uh, how much I appreciate number one the opportunity to get to be in uh, you know be in class w- with all of you, and uh, all of the encouragement that you guys have given me um, from you know from our from our discussions. And uh, the West Huntsville family is a is a special place and uh really just really appreciate uh who you are and who you encourage uh who you encourage me to be. Um so we've we we've talked about several different things over the last over the last several weeks and I will admit that I have uh stirred the pot a good bit uh with with, with some of our discussions and not always not always easy topics but hopefully um hopefully you would consider them important. Topics, um, and this one, while um, I hope, I hope not nearly as uh, controversial, shall we say, um, this might be, and, and this is this is just this is just my opinion. This might be probably one of our most important discussions to have, um, and it's it's why I have uh, saved it for our last lesson. Um, again, you know, talking about, talking about some of the hard things, you know, some of the hard topics, the, the, the cultural issues that Christians find themselves facing and how to, how to respond and how to deal with those and how to live in a fallen world, you know, and striving our very best, uh, to apply, you know, a biblical worldview to all of those things. Um, this lesson is is that, but it's a it's a little bit it's a little bit different because it's it's a little more personal to all of us. At least I hope I hope the topic of prayer is is personal to to all of us. Um, the reason I think this is important is because um, how we approach prayer, how we understand prayer, um, and you know, probably more importantly you know, to keep our feet firmly planted on what the Bible has to say about how God responds to prayer, I think is really, really important because it is that response and how we process or deal with that response can have a um, significant impact on our faith and our faithfulness. It seems to me that... Uh, Very often, when someone makes the decision to leave the faith, um, again, it seems to me that that all too often it, it is linked to some kind of perceived injustice that they have experienced, that they are no longer able to rationalize with who they believed God to be. Why is this happening to me? Right? I, I, I've prayed about this, and I've, I've questioned, and I've asked, and I've pleaded, and I've begged, and I don't understand why me. This isn't fair. Why isn't God answering? Why, is that? Why, 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 am I, why am I the one having to deal with this? Why am I suffering this way? All of these things, all of these things that happen, and I really, really appreciate Glenn's lesson this morning, going through the different facets of of God's will, because again, it is extremely important for us to hang on to that, and again, to keep our feet firmly planted in the Word, because, and we're going to talk about this later, we are all going to have what I call that crisis moment, and if you can't think of one in your life, then just wait. (laughs) Because it, it it just it just seems to be the human condition that we are all going to be faced with something that completely, completely shakes what we thought to be true up until that time. Okay? That's why it's incredibly important to have what I call handles. You can put whatever word with that, but things that we hold on to that no matter what is going on around us, no matter how bad things get around us or how deep that trench is or how hard that struggle is, there are things that we have to hold on to that we know that we know that we know are true, right? Because it's going to come. Okay? We are going to find ourselves struggling at, in, you know, in, in some way, and we're going we're gonna to need to know and understand who God is in those moments, where God is in those moments, and understanding, understanding this channel that we have in prayer, and understanding God receiving and responding to that prayer, right? So the, question, the first question went, well, why, why do we pray? Right? And there's several, and I've got several verses, uh, several verses up on the, up on the, up on the screen. And hopefully, hopefully it's a little more legible. I got, I got coached up by the guys in the sound booth. Uh, so hopefully everybody can, can read that, uh, a little better. But several verses come to mind if you were going to answer the question, why do we pray? And again, what we've talked about for weeks and weeks and weeks is every spiritual question must be met with a scriptural answer. So we could answer that question with like 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing, or Romans 12.12, 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Right? Colossians 4.2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Um, others, four, uh, Philippians 4.6, right? do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. First okay, Timothy 2.1, first of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, right? So, we can, I mean, all of those are, quote unquote, correct answers to why we pray, right? Because, I mean, we have, we have examples in the New Testament, we have instruction in the New Testament, we have directive in the New Testament that Christians should be a praying people. So, yes, we pray because we're told to, the New Testament tells us, teaches us that. But we all, we all know it's deeper than that. Again, prayer should be a very personal thing and we pray not just because the New Testament tells us to, although that would be enough certainly, okay? But there is there is more, there is more to that. We look to the scriptures as our guide and and as our insight into the will of God as we, you know, as, as we talked about, you know, this morning or thought about this morning in, in Glenn's lesson, but I'm going to offer I'm going to offer what I call a thesis Right? And this is kind of, um, this is our, this is our thesis, or my best response to why do we pray. We pray because we believe God has the capacity to not only hear, but to act on our prayers for what we believe to be our benefit. Right? If that's not, if, if it's, if it's something else, if we don't believe that, if we don't believe that, then I question why, why are we praying? Right? We pray because, again, God has the capacity. We're, we're asking someone who is able. And what we're asking for is what we believe to be for our benefit in, in some way. Right? right? I mean, I don't know if we would ask someone to help that we knew couldn't help. And I don't know if we would ask someone to help us with something that we know was bad for us. Right? So this is, the, this is the premise that we're gonna build our discussion on today, right? And but the struggle, the struggle comes again, the struggle comes from our ability to understand, or our our capacity, I guess you could say, to understand his response, right? It's I mean, prayer is, like I said, it's personal, it's intimate. We cry out, we beg, we plead, right? And we, we ask, you know, over and over and over for, uh, an answer. And we, you know, sometimes we think, yeah, and and wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be great if God would just speak directly, right? Wouldn't it be, you know, give, give me a, give me a sign, right? Give me a sign. Give me a whisper. Give me a nudge. Give me, give me something. Okay. Write it in the clouds. Something, you know, when we're in that moment, we're, we would take, we would take anything to know, right? And we want, we want that response. And sometimes, Sometimes, yes, no, or wait isn't enough. Now, please don't start throwing songbooks at me, right? I'd, I'd say rocks, but hopefully you don't have any rocks, okay? Please, I, 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 I fully understand that the, the gamut of God's response, God's response to prayer could be generically placed in one of these categories, right? I, I understand that. And I, don't dis- and I don't disagree with that because God is either going to grant us what we want when we want it he is, or he is not going to grant us what we want when we want, or, or we are going to be told in some way, shape, or form indirectly, right? We're going to be told, you know, wait, or we're going to realize later on that we were told to wait. So while that is true, emotionally, personally, when we are struggling and we are begging to be delivered or begging for an answer, right, just res- telling someone that, well, you know, God responds with yes, no, or wait, right, we need, we need to go deeper than that. Again, I'm not saying that that isn't correct. I'm just saying in our moment of struggle, in our moment of crisis, okay, we need to be able to understand a little bit deeper than that. So that is our goal. So what we're going to be talking about, we're going to look at, we're going to look at the different ways that God responded to prayer this morning, okay, different ways that he responded to different people, and hopefully give us a, a better, a better understanding. The first thing we need to understand though, okay, and this is hopefully going to be a running theme that you'll see, and it's very, very important. God's response belongs to Him. Okay, I'm going to repeat that. God's response belongs to Him. It's very important that we understand we are not owed anything. God's response, the manner, the timing, Okay, all of that belongs to him. Okay, so let's look at his response to Hannah. Right, First Samuel one, we're introduced to Hannah. There we learn that the Lord had closed her womb. Uh, In verse ten of that same chapter, we read that she was deeply deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. Right, verse eleven, she vowed a vow. O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look in the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son then I will give to him the Lord, I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. Okay? So, and then we see, you know, so, so look at, we know that the Lord closed her womb. Okay? The, the the manner of her prayer, right? Look at the adverbs used, deeply distressed. She wept bitterly, right? And she vowed a vow. So she offered this prayer. Lord, if you, if you will give me a son, I will give him to you. And then later on, verse 19, the Lord remembered her and she was given, she was given a son, right? So, some questions as we look at these responses and as we look at these, these different people that God responded to, we're gonna ask, we're gonna ask some questions, right? So, was Hannah's prayer heard? Yes, yes, it was. Yes, it was. That's not a trick question, right? Um, there are no trick questions in this. Okay, there may be some that aren't as obvious, but hopefully, hopefully, no, no trick questions. Okay, so was Hannah's prayer heard? Yes. Did Hannah receive what she asked for? Yes. Did Hannah receive a direct response from the Lord regarding her prayer? Now, what I mean by a direct response was when she made that prayer and she asked God, did God verbally respond to her and say, Hannah, I am going to give you what you prayed for? No, he did not. Okay. Now, did God speak directly to people during this time? Yes, he did. Did he speak directly to Hannah in this moment as a verbal response to her prayer? No. Okay, And that's really, really important. Because, again, we've already, if we're honest, we would all, we've already said, like, man, wouldn't it be great if he, if he did answer our prayers directly? Okay? If he spoke to us when we were praying, especially, I mean, the quality of her prayer. Deeply distressed. Wept bitterly. Is that worth a direct response? Verbal response? Well, in our hearts, man, we'd love that. That'd be, that'd be great. But that's not, that's not what he did. Okay? The prayer was heard. Okay. The request was granted or she received what she asked for, but she did not receive a specific verbal response directly to her, right? So, um, so let's look at uh let's look at Elijah. I think that, I think that's the the next one that we have. His response to Elijah. In James 5:17 and 18 it says Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for 3 years and 6 months it did not rain on the earth. And he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. All right, so again, look at the quality of Elijah's prayer, All right? He prayed fervently or earnestly, some translations might say. Now, let me, let me, let me stop right here and just put kind, of a, kind of, just a, a little bit of a a little bit of an aside here, and let's talk about the manner of these two prayers, All right? Hannah wept bitterly, deeply distressed. Elijah prayed fervently, okay? Both of those prayers were answered, All right? It's easy to think in our limited human mind that when we don't get what we prayed for, well, maybe we just maybe we just didn't pray hard enough. Maybe maybe I, should maybe I should have prayed harder, right? Maybe I, you know that, that the harder I pray and the more I ask, the more persistent I am. By the way, does the Bible endorse persistence in prayer? Absolutely. 100 percent, right? Does persistence always mean that you're going to get what you want or what you are asking for? Well, no, the Bible doesn't teach that at all. Matter of fact, okay, if we consider the quality of prayer, right? And I I, I like to put, I like to put Elijah, I like to put this example of Elijah's prayer, right? And the prayer of Jesus in the garden side by side in helping us to understand prayer, right? We know that Elijah prayed fervently. And he was given what he asked for. Hannah wept bitterly; she was deeply distressed. She was given what she was asked for. What she asked for. Jesus in the garden—was he distressed? Right? Think that prayer was earnest or fervent? Yeah. And what was he told? In a word, nope. Right. So let's not think that just because just because we're not receiving what we're asking for, well, I just just got to pray harder. Now again hundred percent that we should be persistent in prayer, but it all has to be within the scope of God's will, right? That is the ultimate qualifier for everything we do, everything we, everything we think, everything we pray, right? Because again, that is the biblical worldview of prayer. That is how we understand prayer through the lens of scripture, okay? So back to Elijah's prayer. Okay, let's ask those same questions of Elijah's prayer that we asked of Hannah's prayer. Okay, was Elijah's prayer heard? Well, yes. Okay, right. of course it was heard. All right, did Elijah receive what he asked for? Yes. Now, did Elijah receive a direct response from the Lord regarding this prayer? Okay, did Elijah speak directly to the Lord, or more importantly, did the Lord speak directly to Elijah? Yes, he did. In this instance, though, when Elijah, back in, back in 1 Kings 17, okay, said that it's not going to rain for three, for three years and six months. Okay? The Lord did not respond directly to him in that moment and say, yes, Elijah, you are correct, I am going to stop the rain. The Lord did, but the Lord did not speak to him directly for this moment in the answering of this specific prayer or this specific request. Right? So now, let's look at Job. God's response to Job. We're all familiar with the account of Job, and when we think of someone pleading for God to respond, when we think of someone that is struggling to understand and longing for some kind of answer, right? Obviously, Job is going to come to mind. Hopefully, that's not too that's not too small. But um, and we could go we could go lots of different places, but uh, I, I picked Job twenty three two through seven. To kind of, to kind of sum up, you know, uh, this, this pleading. Okay. Today also, my complaint is bitter. Again, the manner, the manner of this prayer. My hand is heavy on account of my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. I would lay my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would know what he would answer me and understand what he would say to me. Would he contend with me in the greatness of his power? No, he would pay attention to me. There an upright man could argue with him, and I would be acquitted forever by my judge. Again, this is a man that, that is longing and begging and pleading to understand, and also longing and begging and pleading to plead his own case, okay? Just for some better understanding of what we might say, why me? Why, why, is, this, why is this happening? Right? And, you know, Job was obviously not privy to the behind the scenes, right? Um, as to what was going on and, and why this was happening and, and things like that. But, so let's, let's ask our questions. Okay. Let's ask our questions of Job's prayer. Was Job's prayer heard? Well, yeah, of course it was heard. Right? Okay? And let's, you know, let's be, let's, 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 let's uh, another, another aside very, very quickly. Let's, let's talk about the hearing of, of prayer right? Um, let's be, you know, let's understand that there are spiritual blessings that exist only in Christ, right? Ephesians Ephesians chapter 1. Does God hear everything? Well, of course he hears everything because he's omniscient, he is omnipotent, and all of those things. But when you talk about hearing, talk about hearing the requests of people, right? Well, n- now we're kind of talking about two different kinds of hearing, Okay? We're not just talking about the, the the physical ability, even though God doesn't have a, a physical attribute, right? Because God is spirit, John four twenty four, right? Even though I mean He has the capacity and the ability to hear all things, but when I think about God hearing the requests of someone, when God when I think about God hearing prayer, I always think I think like, I think like a judge. We might say, well, the judge decided not to hear that case. He didn't turn his eardrums off, right? He said, No, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna entertain that. Right? I'm not gonna enter, I'm not gonna entertain that case. Right? So that's that's how I that's how that's how I keep hearing and hearing separated in my mind. Was Job's prayer heard? Yeah, it was heard. Right? Did Job receive what he asked for? Uh, let's come back to that. I should have put for Job, I should have put these a little bit out of order. Let's go to that third question. Did Job receive a direct response from the Lord regarding his prayer? Boy howdy did he did you know did he receive what he asked for no all of those questions why is this happening why me what have i done all of those all of that pleading and all of that begging and god r- responded directly to job and gave him zero answers to his specific questions why because God's response belongs to him. Now, he gave Job an answer, and God made it clear what his answer was. And if we don't, you know, in Job 38, when God decides to, decides to finally respond, if that, if that doesn't make us bristle a little bit, and kind of like, whoo, like that, right? Because God, I mean, God makes it known who he is. And again, basically tells Job, who are you, right? I'm God, you are not, right? And again, it's a great it's a great example of God's response belongs to him and that we are not owed anything, right? And that's hard, but it's incredibly important to understand that God is God and we are not, okay? That response and whatever response that 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 or whatever manner that response takes, that is God's prerogative, right? Because his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Okay? Let's do, uh, let's do one more. Let's look at, let's look at God's response to Habakkuk. I think this is important to understand as well. Okay? Habakkuk chapter one, beginning in verse two. Oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. And then we see in verse 5, we see God's response to that. Look, look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. Right? So, was Habakkuk's prayer answered? I'm sorry, did it, was, it, was it heard? That's the question first. Okay. Was Habakkuk's prayer heard? Yes, it was. Okay, and let's take that third question again. Did Habakkuk receive a direct response from the Lord regarding this prayer? Yes, he did. Did Habakkuk receive what he asked for? Not really. (laughs) What did the Lord tell him? Even if I told you, you wouldn't understand what I was doing. Okay, and then later on, Later on, we, we see the Lord tells him, For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Right? So God says, again... <clears throat> Even if I told you, you wouldn't understand it. And something else that's incredibly important for us, to, for us to understand, just because you can't see it working does not mean it isn't working. Right? And that that could be applied to so many things that we want what we want. We want it right now. Right? Because we are impatient. Because we think, well, well, this has to be the best thing for me. And if it's the best thing for me, why do I have to wait on it? Right? But just because we can't see God's will unfolding in the moment does not mean that it is not unfolding in the moment and and it's not just with God we do that we do that with human institutions all the time. Um, I try to remember you know you got you guys know that i'm a, that I'm a teacher and and sometimes what what we what what I think is the obvious clear solution right well. My teacher world might be really, really small, and I may not understand or be privy to all of these other things that this decision might affect. So when I think, well, you know, why isn't the administration doing anything? Why isn't the principal doing anything? Why is the central office making this decision? Why are they taking so long? It's easy for me to think, well, they're just not, they're just not talking about this. They're not, they're not working on this. Well, no, they are, right? I just can't see it because I'm not privy to it in that moment, right? Same thing with an eldership in the church. It's incredibly easy for us as members to get frustrated when we think the elders should be working. Why aren't they they talking about this? Why aren't they doing anything about this? Why aren't they, you know, blah, 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 blah. We're not in the elders meetings, right? It's easy when things don't happen as fast as we want them to to think that they're not happening at all. Just because we can't see it working, doesn't mean it is not working. Because God is God, and we are not. It doesn't make it easier, Okay, but again, when we talk about that crisis moment, we've got to be able to hold on to things that we know, that we know, that we know. The truth of God's Word, and going through these examples, and seeing how God responded differently, reminds us that God's response belongs to him. And again, there are times that we wouldn't understand it. We wouldn't understand it even even if he did respond directly to us. Right? But what if he and, and we think, man, if 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 only if only he did, right? If God spoke directly to us, or if I could just, if I could just, you know, like Job, if I could just talk with him, then then everything would make sense. And then I I would understand and my faith would be strengthened and all of those things, if I could just if I could just be there, right? If I, or he would just talk to me directly. Well, again, as we look through Scripture, being in the presence of God was never a guarantee of obedience or faithfulness. We think, well, man, if I could just, if I could just have a, a, a one-to-one, a one-to-one, like actual, you know, be in the presence of God relationship, then everything would be, I, you know, everything would be so much better, right? Well, Somebody said, and we might respond, you know, well, God spoke directly to people in those times. God doesn't speak to people directly anymore. Maybe if he did, we'd be better at understanding and trusting him. That's not true. Because we're going to go all the way back to the garden, right? Look at, look at Adam and Eve. Genesis 2, 15, and 7, 15 through 17. The Lord God took man. And put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. From the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Right? Okay. And then Genesis 3, verse 8, which we've talked about in a previous class. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Adam and Eve were in the direct presence of God. God was with them in the garden and they were still unable to be completely faithful to him okay literally dwelling in the presence of God received direct verbal instruction from God and still disobeyed okay so let's fast forward let's fast forward a little bit and consider the Israelites. The Israelites in, uh, in Egypt and the wilderness and the promised land. Consider everything that they had seen, right? And there's, there's several examples. The plagues, the Red Sea, the manna, the quail, the pillars of cloud and fire, God's presence descending on Mount Sinai, the walls of Jericho, on and on and on and on and on. Okay. But then Exodus 32 and verse 9, and the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. You know, it's 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 easy for us to look back in the Israel, look back at the Israelites and be super judgmental. How in the world? How in the world could they see the Red Sea parted? How in the world could they see the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire daily? How in the world could they could they live on on just food that miraculously appeared? How could they have seen all of these things and still say, "Nah, I'm gonna go do this." It's easy for us to look back, but like, wait a second. We've seen more than they have. We've seen Christ resurrected. Right? We have seen the Son of God crucified and raised from the dead through the lens of Scripture. And we can be just as stiff-necked as the Israelites. Right? So again, so many examples of God revealing His power directly to them, and they still... Were unfaithful. They still were disobedient to his direct instruction. Okay? So we move forward. Speaking of speaking of Jesus, we consider the apostles. Right? Like Adam and Eve, the apostles were blessed to live in the direct presence of God. Think about all they saw. Water to wine, those that miraculously healed, the driving out of demons, resurrection of Lazarus. All of these things that John, by inspiration, said, all of these things could not fit into books. And yet, Matthew twenty six fifty six. Okay, in that moment of crisis, then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Okay, so let's be very careful to think. Well, if I could just, if I could just be with God, if I could just, if He would just talk directly to me, then everything would be so much better, right? Well, being in God's presence was never a guarantee of faithfulness, obedience, all of those things. Okay? so let's be very careful to understand that even so they they still uh, they still abandon him in that moment of Christ so we've seen we've seen the different ways in which God has responded to those that prayed to him we've seen that being in the direct presence of God receiving direct verbal instruction uh, again did not produce uh, faithfulness okay so where where does that leave us okay where where, in, in all of this, we know that God doesn't speak directly to His people now. He spoke to the patriarchs. spoke to His people through Moses and the prophets, okay? even through Jesus, and then through the Holy Spirit by inspiration of the New Testament. So, what do we do? Well, we do what we've been talking about this whole time. We have to trust. We have to trust the Word. We have to trust the revealed will, as Glenn said this morning. Okay, That... That is where we have to be. So we hold on to passages like Psalm 119 and verse 28. My soul melts from heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. Psalm 119 and verse 50. This is my comfort in my affliction, for your word has given me life. Romans fifteen four. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. That crisis moment is going to come, and it is going to cause us to cry out, okay, to weep, to beg, to plead. Okay? We see, I mean, we see, you know, the, the, the apostles had their crisis moment when their rabbi was arrested, okay, being put on trial. Right? It's going to, like I said, there are, there are going to be things that, that you know, might shake our faith. What are we going to do during that? Okay? Are we going to allow that crisis moment to overcome our faith when we can't understand. When we think, why is this happening? Well, if God is who he says he is, why is he allowing this to happen to me? Or if God is who he says he is, why doesn't he just do this? Well, let's be very careful again, because God is God and we are not. And we can't see what he sees. We can't know what he knows. We can know, however, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. As we've talked about, that statement is either true or it's not. Okay? And we have proven, we have proven that it is in fact true because we have the inspired Word of God revealed to us through the Scriptures. What if we still never get an answer? What if if we're just completely left hanging on the the very thing that we are crying out to God for? What are we going to do in that crisis moment when it doesn't appear there's going to be any deliverance from that? Well, hopefully we're going to do what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. We know what their crisis moment was. Every child, every child from maybe, I don't know, three, four years old in this building knows what the crisis moment was for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right? Daniel 3, verse 17. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. Stop right there. God is able. Never doubt. Never doubt that God is able. Remember our thesis, our premise for today's discussion? Why do we pray? We pray because we believe God has the capacity to answer. We pray because we believe that God is able. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, okay, they knew that God was able. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. How can you say that? You don't know that. But they did. How can they know? How can they know? whether it's it's delivered on the other side of it or delivered from it, God is going to deliver the faithful, right? It may not be when we want it, but God is going to deliver the faithful. He will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, but if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. You ever considered that they chose the fiery furnace? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in a sense, indirectly chose to die. Right? And it's always interesting to me, and these were not just, you know, these guys were not just just anybody. They must have been, they must have been somewhat high up because Nebuchadnezzar basically said, hey, hey guys, listen, 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 we're going, we're going to do this again. Because word got to him that they were not going to bow down. And Nebuchadnezzar went to them and said, Hey, we're going, we're, going, we're going to do this again. And when we do this again, I'm going, I'm going to need you. I'm going to need you to bow down to that statue. Right? And they said, we're not going to do it, because God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, right? That, that is our handle. That's what we hold on to in that, in that moment of crisis. That no matter what happens, no matter what happens, I cannot. I cannot let go of my faith. I cannot let go of my God, right? Because He is real. Jesus is His Son. And the Holy Spirit inspired men to write His Word so that I can have faith and I can have hope that regardless of what happens, God is going to deliver me from this, right? He's either going to deliver me from it, or He's going to deliver me through it, or He's going to deliver me after it. But praise God, he's going to deliver me one way or the other. right? That's our handle. That's our handle. That's what we hold on to. Okay? That's how we keep our feet firmly planted on what the scriptures say and how we respond okay, when God's response belongs to him. So we are going to face that crisis moment. For the apostles, it was the arrest of Jesus. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it was whether or not to bow to the statue or be burned alive. Um, it's not going to seem fair, and uh, it's going to hurt, and it's gonna be, it might be emotionally painful, it might be physically painful, whatever, whatever, whatever that is, right? Uh, and we're going to beg God for an answer. We're going to beg him to respond, and maybe God will respond in a manner that is clear to us, and maybe God, in God's omnipotence and omniscience, it prompts him to withhold the answer we want in lieu of the answer that he knows we need. So we pray, we pray because we believe God has not only the capacity, okay, that God has the capacity to respond, okay, but also, okay, not, to, not just the capacity to hear, but to act on our prayers for what we believe to be our benefit. We long for him to answer, we long for him to deliver, even if he doesn't. But if not, we're going to cling to him, because we know, we know that the scripture is true. Okay. Romans 8.28, and we know that all things work together for good for those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So when we struggle and when we question, okay, and even even in the times of, of, of darkness and doubt and all of those things, we hold on to the word of God. It is what he has given us to know his will okay, and to know what we what he wants us to know. So I hope, I, hope that, I hope that that's an encouragement to us. Okay? And I hope that it encourages us to remain faithful regardless, regardless of what happens. Because life this side of heaven is hard. Okay? It is never promised to be easy and we are going to struggle with things when we don't understand. We're going to struggle when things happen to us that seem um, universally unfair. But we know that God is real, and we know that he's good, and we know that he delivers the faithful. I really appreciate, uh, all of uh, again, all of your encouragement. I appreciate the, the discussions that we've had. I know, uh, I know some lessons you know, have prompted more discussion. I know that I have done all the talking this morning and uh, apologize for that. But I, I hope that we are all encouraged uh, from these discussions to uh, continue to consider the Scriptures and uh, to seek to please him according to those scriptures, and to do everything according to the will of God. We'll end with prayer, and then we'll be dismissed. Let's all pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you. Lord, we love you so much. And uh, we are so undeserving of the blessings. We're so undeserving of being called uh, your children to wear the name of your Son as Christians. Father, help us to live uh, in a way that brings glory to you. Help us to live in a way that is a light to the world and encourages others to do the same. Father, we thank you so much for the encouragement of the West Huntsville family. Help us to never take that for granted. Help us to encourage one another, to help each other, to strive with one another, to suffer with one another, Lord. Just remind each other of how good God is and what you have prepared for us as we remain faithful to you. Father, go with us as we depart from here. Bless us and keep us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all.